Please take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. Prayer meeting this evening is at 5.30. Also, if you have not had a chance to uh, fill out your faith promise card, in front of you on your pew, there's some cards in the uh, book holding rack there. And if you would still like to participate in our mission program, if you would, pick one of those up, fill it out, and put it in the offering plate today before you leave. All right, please look in Ephesians chapter number 5. This past week, has been uh, tremendous, it's been convicting, Uh, it's been challenging uh, to our hearts. We heard from a total of 10 men uh, in various ways this week, nine different missionaries, and of course, Brother Ron. We've heard about their faith, and I always enjoy hearing personal examples of faith in God and how that God is faithful to respond to those who exercise trust in Him. Their trials that they've endured, the testimonies of how God has worked and is working in their lives. And usually after a meeting like this, especially a very good meeting like this, I have found that often that saints are left wondering, those in the pews who observe these men and their families and hear their testimonies, they are often left wondering and contemplating God's will for their own personal lives. And sometimes even intimidated in thinking that their life is not as fulfilling and as important as some of the missionaries who have gone to foreign lands. Some have even told me, even this week, that, Brother Roger, I, I feel like I am I'm useless and I'm, and I'm doing nothing. And, but those comments were not true. But yet that was the feeling and that was the thought. And so I want to preach to you this morning about understanding the will of God. Understanding the will of God. I want you to turn with me to chapter 5 and verse 17. Everyone in here needs to contemplate the will of God and whether or not you are in it. Because you're either in it or you're out of it. There's no in-between. All right? And I want us to study the Word of God together. God's Word is the sword of the Spirit. I want to be like, you know, in the Old Testament, you had the 12 tribes of Israel. Each one of them contributed something to the nation. And each one of them had their own strengths and their weaknesses. And one of them was the tribe of Issachar. And the Bible says about them that they were men of understanding. And they, they understood the times in which Israel was dealing with. And they knew what Israel ought to do. I'm not real comforted when somebody understands the time I'm living in. I'm more comforted when somebody tells me what I need to do. Amen. I want you to look in chapter 5, verse 17. Look at this passage, and then let's study the things that go around it. Let's use this as the hub 
And then let's look at the spokes that are around it. Okay? Verse 17 says, Wherefore, and usually when you see that word, you're kind of supposed to look what came before it. It says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise. Don't be a fool today. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. As if Paul was saying, it is possible to understand what the will of the Lord is. Too many folks want to know the the mystical side of the will of God uh, about their location or their vocation rather than practicing what they should already know about the will of God. And if you're not willing to do what you should already know, then you shouldn't be worried about what you don't know about the will of God. Let's look at this in its practical aspects. First of all, verse 17, understanding the will of God. The will of God for you and for me starts with our salvation. That's first base. You agree with that? You'll notice in chapter 5, verse 1, what he calls us. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. You know what Jesus said when his mother and his brethren approached him, his kinfolks one time when he was teaching and they said, hey, hey, uh, would you go in there and tell Jesus we need him to come out here and talk to us? And Jesus did not respond. And he said to the crowd that was listening to him, he said, you know who my family is? He said, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. He's saying that if you will do the will of God, he said, you are will become part of the family of God. And you know what the will of God is for you? It is for you to repent of your sin and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul put it, he said repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So here in chapter number 5, he makes it very clear that some folks are deceived about this very fact. Because you see, salvation leads to a transformation in a person's life. It changes things. If the Jesus you know is not affecting your earthly life, I doubt it's going to affect your eternal life when it comes to heaven. Now look what he says here. Look in, for example, it says in verse 3, he says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Salvation brings expectations. It changes people's lives. Jesus came to save us from our sins. If any man be in Christ, he is a a new creature. Look at this. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking. So the verse 3 was uh, some of the outward things you do. Verse 4 was some of the inward things you do. Filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, 
Now look at this. No whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Look at verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Don't let someone prop you up and comfort you in your wicked lifestyle. Now, we're not reading from Reader's Digest here. And he says, let no man deceive you with vain words. That, and I'm thinking maybe a priest. I'm thinking maybe a pastor. I'm thinking maybe a parent. Let no man deceive you with vain words, he says, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You see, God's will is our salvation. And God's will is that you not perish but that you come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. So I think we all agree that when it comes to understanding what the will of God is, it is that you come to Christ and that you receive Him as your Lord and your Savior and have a personal relationship with Him. All right, the second thing you notice in this passage not only is the will of God and understanding it our salvation. And by the way, if you are rejected by God at the end, it is because you rejected Him at the beginning. And the scripture here says now, also the will of God is our sanctification. Well, people get so nervous when you use that word. Sanctification. God has called us out of this world. And we are set apart unto the Lord. Separated but not isolated. We're to be like Jesus, not the Pharisees. He, the Lord Jesus, was separated from sin but not from sinners. The Pharisees were separated from sinners but not from sin. I want you young folks to see this as a complete positive step in the right direction, your sanctification. God's Word brings freedom and joy and happiness, not bondage. Don't be like the kite who was soaring in the heavens and said to itself, you know, I could really soar high. I could really go to higher places if that boy would turn loose of that string that's holding me back. When that little boy stumbled and the string came loose from his hand, the kite did not go higher. The kite crashed. And what you think that God's Word is holding you back and holding you down is actually what will hold you up and make you strong and give you freedom and joy. Look with me in chapter 5. Look at this in verse 7. He said, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Talking about don't be participating with disobedient children or disobedient people. He said in verse 8, 
For you were sometimes darkness. I agree, that's what I was. But now you are light in the Lord. That's what I am. Walk as children of light. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's in all goodness and righteousness and truth. When the Holy Ghost comes to live in you, that's what He produces, His goodness. He produces righteousness. And He helps you to walk in the truth. He said, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. To have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doeth make make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Would you say, and would you agree with me, that the will of God for you is your salvation, and the will of God for you is your sanctification. It is you walking with the Lord, contrary to an ungodly world. Then I want you to look in verse 18. Now, he told us in verse 17, Wherefore you be not... And in verse 16, let me read that. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, it talks to us now about the will of God and our spirit-filled life. The first one was our salvation. The second one was our sanctification, being set apart unto God. And the third one has to do with our spirit Filled life. People get nervous about that phrase. Seem like everything that's spiritual, people get nervous about. These terms, spirit-filled life. Verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's synonymous with walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. This morning, I, I, I need some of you young men and young ladies I need you to understand the truth about the the Holy Spirit. That when you got born again, that God sent the Spirit of God to indwell you. You need to acknowledge Him as a person that dwells within you. And then in order for you to be filled with Him, led by Him, and walk with Him, you have to be in agreement with Him on a daily basis. This is the will of God. When you get up in the morning and say, Lord, I just want to do your will. Well, the will of God is, number one, make sure that you're saved. Examine yourself. Make sure that you're in the faith. And then consider the fact that you belong to God and He has called you out of this world, not to be like the world, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That He wants you to think different, walk different, talk different, live different, and be a light in a dark place. That's God's will. It's God's will. Some of you are worried more about where you're working than how you are at work. And God wants you to be a certain way at work wherever you are working. Our spirit-filled life. And notice this thing about the spirit. When you agree with the spirit of God, He touches every area of your life. Every area of your life. Look in verse 19. Notice the mind of the Spirit of God, how that He begins to deal with you about the music. 
that's in your life and the melody that is that dominates your heart and your life. What is that? Okay, verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So if you're going to walk with Him and be led by Him, your music life matters. To the Holy Ghost. It matters. David said, and listen, heaven loved David. And the Bible says that the Lord liked him. Now listen, he loved him, but he also liked him. And when David set up the tabernacle before he died, he made sure there was lots of music and lots of singing going on in the temple. He appointed singers. Even gave them sheet music in psalms. Had men practice and be skilled in their music when they praised the Lord. You know what David said about himself? And by the way, God loves cheerful givers, but God loves cheerful singers too. The Bible says, David said, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. As long as I live, I will sing unto the Lord. He said, and I will sing... Praise to my God. So it doesn't matter what you're singing. So the Holy Spirit works in my heart and in your heart. We're talking about what dominates your heart. What is the regular type of music that you feed on, listen to, hum, and sing? I mean, sometimes my mind feels like a somebody's got a, you know, a a radio station on and it's on skip and it goes from this song to that song to that song to that song all day long. But what kind of music dominates matters. And hey, it's okay if you don't know all the words to a song. Make it up. It says making melody in your heart. Make it up. Say some of your own stuff unto the Lord. It's about music and the melody that's in your heart matters to the Holy Ghost. And I say to you young folks, I'm telling you, if, if down the road you really want to know the will of God about the things that you're not sure about, work on the things that you are sure about. And He cares about the kind of music. These folks that you saw this week that are trying to serve the Lord, you'll find that each one of them has put music in the right place in their heart. Each one of them. And you'll notice in verse number 20, it also, you'll notice that the Holy Spirit is very sensitive, very sensitive about your attitude of gratitude. Boy, I tell you, if there's anything that vexes Him and grieves Him, it's what comes out of your lips. I'm serious. He says in verse 20, giving thanks always for all things. That's not easy to do, is it? Can you find the positive even in a negative situation? Can you find the good even in a bad situation? Verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, In everything give thanks for this is the will of God 
in Christ Jesus concerning you. Occasionally, let me say this, there's a man who occasionally visits our assembly. And when I see him walk in the door, I cringe. You say, well, Brother Roger, you should be excited. I don't get excited about everybody that walks in that door. You say, you ought to be ashamed. You should be ashamed. Because I know as soon as I get close to him and he says something, it's going to be a complaint. It's going to be a criticism. No matter how good the services were, no matter... And listen, he's not a part of our assembly. And he only comes once in a while. Thank God. Because that kind of spirit grieves the Holy Ghost. And it quenches the Spirit of God. What comes out of your lips, what comes out of your mouth? As I told you, an unthankful person, no matter what you do for them, it's never enough. Never enough. And even when the church family tries to sometimes comfort you or encourage you or strengthen you, it's never enough. You see what wasn't done or you saw what a person didn't do rather than seeing what God was doing through everyone else. And I'm telling you now, I'm telling you young people, I think about Brother Zach, I think about Sister Marcia, I think about Sister Abigail. I pray for you every day. I pray for our young people. I pray for our young adults that you would not adapt an attitude of griping and murmuring and complaining. God has been so good to you and to us. And it's amazing to me here that the Spirit of God is sensitive to this giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something else real quick. This is what we know is the will of God. Are y'all still with me? Okay. Are, Are you in the will of God so far? Are you saved? All right. And are you trying to separate yourself from the attitude and the philosophies and ideas of the world? And are you attempting to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when He leads you and guides you and tries to teach you something at church? Are you sensitive to Him when He speaks to your heart and when you are convicted about something? Do you respond to Him? If He says, apologize, do you apologize? If He says, thank somebody for something, do you do it? And when you sing, do you sing from your heart? Are you sensitive to the Spirit of God? But notice something else here in verse 21. That is the will of God. And that is our submissive life. Not only a spirit-filled life, but a submissive life. Look at this. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I notice something else. People get nervous when you start talking about being submissive. All these areas that are the will of God, people get nervous about. As if somebody is going to put a stranglehold on their life. 
Do you know what being in a, a submissive life, really all that is, all it is, is not living a self-willed life. Does that make you feel better? It's about not being self-willed. Do you know no matter where you go, you're bumping into somebody where, or you're going into a structure of authority? Somewhere, if you walk into the Dollar General store, when you walk into that store, you don't just walk in there, pick out what you want and walk out the door. You don't just go in there and start rearranging stuff on the shelves, do you? It might be somebody that's actually operating that store that just barely got out of the third grade, but they're in authority there. And you may be a graduate from Harvard. Your education does not give you authority. Your skill level doesn't give you authority. Everywhere that you go, you bump into authority, whether it be at church, whether you be on the job, whether you be in a doctor's office, or whether you be in your own home. There is a structure of authority. If you ever go to an airport, you'll find there's a structure of authority. Some of it seems almost abusive, but you'll find structures of authority. Now I want you to look at this. This submissive life in the fear of God is the absence of being self-willed. Boy, if you can see that wherever you're touching some level of authority, if, if you can look beyond the person or even the people that you're having to deal with and you see the throne of God and He's the ultimate authority, it sure makes it a lot easier to submit in the fear of God. The attitude is of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my example. Everybody has a head. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 that Jesus Christ, His head was God the Father. In that same passage, to you men, your head is Jesus Christ. To you ladies, your head is your husband. To you children, your head is your parents. If you're employed, your head is your employer. Everywhere that you go, there's somebody in charge or in authority. Look what he says here. Am I in the will of God at home? Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. That's that submissive attitude of Jesus at home. He says here, notice he speaks immediately about the will of God concerning the home and submission. He said, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. He uses the term wife, indicating that you understand that when you walk in the Spirit, that you're not just living with someone. And just because you're living with someone doesn't make them your wife. Because you're sleeping with someone doesn't make them your husband or your wife. Jesus said, when He talked to the woman at the well, yeah, you've you've had several husbands and the one that you're with now is not your husband. So He's indicating that if you're submitting yourself to the Lord and you're in the will of God, you're not sleeping around. 
You've made a commitment to somebody. And he's saying that if you're a woman, you have committed yourself to the Lord, and in doing so now, you are submitting yourself to the authority of your husband. If you're praying about the will of God, and of course he says, in the Lord, all this is in the Lord because there are lines that people cross of where you have to make other decisions. That's true. We haven't got time to discuss all the exceptions to the rule, do we? Here we're talking about what's normal here. And yes, there is a normal. In an abnormal world where, where white is called black and black is white and right is wrong and wrong is right, there is a good and right and a normal. A wife, a husband, and that's not two men and two women. That's a man and a woman. Amen. That's normal. The Bible says here, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. So we're talking about if you really want to be in the will of God, God's very pleased with you. When at home, the wife is in submission to her husband, and the husband is in submission to Christ. And ladies, if you're looking for a man to marry, find somebody that's in submission to his own head, Christ. And if he'll love Christ, he'll love you. Because the Bible says a husband is to love you like Christ loved the church. He's to love you and he's to lead you. And he's to feed you. Amen. And then there's those children. Some of you children, I watch you and I praise God for you. You are sensitive at the services and you come to the altar. You, some of you teenagers do that. And I know you're seeking the will of God and that encourages us all. But one of the things you can rest assured of that's the will of God is in chapter 6 and verse number 1. Do you want to do what's right? He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. There again, there are some exceptions to this, but children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is what? Do you want to do right? Do what you're told at home in the Lord. Verse number 2 says, Honor thy father and mother, and I believe that you can do that when your parents are not around. Your attitude, your spirit, your behavior either honors or dishonors your parents. Because they're not going to always be around. Your behavior. You know, when you get that first driver's license, and you drive that first vehicle, and you get that first job, you have your greatest opportunities then to honor your father and mother with your character, your integrity, and your hard work. The Lord says if you'll do these things, you'll be in the will of God. It'll please Him. Quickly, let's move on. I know we're covering a lot of ground, but we're good at that. All right, look in verse number 5. He says, servants, look at this. Now we're talking about being in the will of God is so practical. has to do with a my music life, what goes on in my heart. And we all in here like music. We all are singing something. We're all in tune with something. And I hope and pray it's the right things. And then our thanksgiving, our attitude of gratitude, and being sensitive to the Spirit of God, our submission at home and at work. The two main places that you live is at home and at work. And if you'll be in the will of God in those two places, 
If God wants to send you to some other place, He can trust you to do right in those places. If it's, if it's a foreign country to serve Him, if you can't do the will of God right here at home, at work, you won't do the will of God over there in another foreign country. Don't be romantic about the mission field. Don't be thinking about these imaginations about the ministry when you cannot do the very basics of the will of God. But also, because you are doing the basics, find some great satisfaction in that and some peace and some comfort. The Bible says here, look in verse 5, servants. Here's my example here of the Lord Jesus again. He said servants. Look, I want you to notice now what he talks about here. If you have a job, and I'm sure that well, most, most of you do here, except those that are retired and those that are lazy, but rest of us have a job. Amen. Amen, Brother Roger. <laughs> Verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Is that an attitude? Yes. In singleness of your heart as unto Christ. So when you check in the morning to go to work, you're working for the Lord. Oh, yeah. Everybody can't be on you watching you all the time. Verse number 6. Not with thy service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. See, when you think about that missionary being a servant of Christ, you elevate them. But the Lord doesn't. He says if you're doing a good job on your job, He's elevating you and He's calling you a servant of Christ. Your mission field is the workplace. The Bible says doing, look at this, Brother Ed, doing the will of God. From the heart. From the heart. Lord, if I'm going to start a plumbing business, I'm going to do it from my heart as unto you. When Brother Doug gets underneath those cabinets and he does a whole bunch of stuff, I don't know if he's done it all right or not. And it can show up later if he was just trying to cut corners. But I trust him that he fears God and he'll do what's right. Amen. When Brother Gary comes over and he wires things, me and electricity have an understanding. (laughs) If you want me to come to your house and work on your electricity, what we're probably going to do is we're going to go to the nearest dam where they generate electricity and we're going to shut it down. (laughs) I don't trust the breakers and the transformers. I want to make sure the dam's not working. And then I'm going to work on your house for you. Now, Brother Gary, he could come in there and he could handle all that stuff. And you know what? He does what is in my best interest. And he'll do a great job. Do you understand that you do these things from your heart? Look what he says. Doing the will of God from the heart. Stop working for a paycheck and start working for the Lord. Verse 7. That doesn't mean you won't get a paycheck. Verse 7 says, With good will. Boy, that's a difference, isn't it? An attitude at work. You're going to stand out. And the union may not appreciate it. That you actually work. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, what confidence you have now doing God's will and working hard with a great attitude and a great spirit. 
knowing that whatsoever good any, any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. How about that? You're talking about the missionary sowing and reaping. That's what you're doing on your workplace where you spend most of your time. And then those of you who hire men, those of you who have your own business, verse 9, and your masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there any respect of persons with him. Do you see what the Lord is looking at here? He says, I listen, understanding what the will of God is. Being an employer, being an employee, be different. And if we can be faithful in the daily things of life, then He will then begin to reveal to us the things that we don't know. I'll give you an example of this. Quickly, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Look in verse number 1, and I'm almost done. I notice how y'all start paying attention when I say those things. I'm almost done. I'm going to start saying it at the beginning of the message. I'm just picking at you. You know I love you, and, and, and I thank God for you. You listen well, and I appreciate you for it. Did you know that if you'll have ears to hear, that God will give you something? Verse 1 said, look at this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, look at the next few words, by the will of God. He was not looking to be an apostle. He was not looking... He had learned, got an education, learned how to make tents, was serving his religion as faithful as he knew how, and then God showed up and rearranged his life. Don't rearrange your life yourself. Let God do it in the area if he calls you to do something. But don't pursue it. Let God do it in your heart and in your life. Be not envious. Matter of fact, James said that be not many teachers. One of the problems we have in America is we have too many preachers and too many teachers. You say that's not true. That is true. That are very self willed and very ignorant and do not have the gift that God gives and calls them. It is about themselves. When God calls you and uses you, it'll benefit the body of Christ. I want to close with these thoughts. I want you to turn to Romans 12, and I want to give an invitation at the end of the service. But I want you to think about this while you're turning there. The will of God really is about an attitude. And it's an awareness of God in all aspects of my life. It's about my, I make choices every day just like you do. God wants me to, wants to be pleased with my choices. My conduct at all times should be above board. I need to confess my sins quickly as possible and get right with God immediately. If necessary, get right with you in order to stay on track. But what are the benefits? What, why is it even worth being concerned about being in the will of God? What's the real serious benefits? Why would I want my son and my daughters and my son-in-laws and my grandsons and granddaughter to be 
in the will of God. What is the big deal? And I, and I do pray for them about the will of God. There is no greater joy than to hear that your children walk in truth. I would say, first of all, there's some eternal benefits. Because what the Bible says, it says that the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's pretty good. But there's some earthly benefits. Did you know that if you're in the will of God, that you'll find comfort from God Himself that others will not? Trouble's going to come to everybody. But some, when I say being comforted by God, Brother Griggers last Sunday morning gave us a great example. He quoted the verse I'm referring to in 2 Corinthians 1. We serve the God of all comfort. And He will comfort us and He will use us to comfort others. But in that passage in 2 Corinthians 1, He's talking about people who are living underneath and living within the network that God has established. I'm sure you've heard of in the past this commercial. I think it might have been a Verizon commercial. I can't remember for sure. They they walk around saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And they were talking about was your phone within reach or in the service area of the towers and the network. And when you step outside of that, you don't get reception. Did you know that when you step outside of the will of God, you give up some blessings? This thing about comfort is real. When your heart is broken, you're going to need some comfort. And when he's talking about that network, he was talking about having, and listen, this is really there in 2 Corinthians 1. He's talking about having relationship with men of God. He's talking about the missionary there in 2 Corinthians 1 and the pastor there and the local church And the brethren, he's talking about you being connected and being involved with them. When you quit church or you lay out of church and you're not really engaged, when something happens, and it will, you won't find the comfort that comes to the child of God who's in the will of God. I'm just telling you, you can try it and see. There's blessings of being in the will of God. But second of all, there's confidence, confidence in two areas. Trouble comes to all of us. Things slip, break, and tear. And bodies break down. Financial troubles we cannot see today that may happen this week. But whatever comes down the pipe, if I'm in the will of God, I have great confidence that God will use those things for my good and for His glory. That is not true for the child of God who's out of the will of God. And I also have confidence that if I, in my prayer life, if I'm in the will of God, if I ask anything according to His will, His will, He heareth us. And He said, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if He hears us, we will receive that which we have asked of Him. 
What a blessing it is. And by the way, you can get in the, real, the will of God real quick. If you're out of the will of God this morning, you can get right back in it real quick. You'll just get right and do right. God will respond. If you draw nigh to Him, He'll draw nigh to you. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Things hurt me like they hurt you. But I tell you what, Lord gives me some confidence in my pain, in my hurting, and there's peace that passes understanding because I'm in the will of God. And there's also purpose. I know that if I'm in the will of God, there is a cause, and I'm in it. Romans 12, look at these verses. You're familiar with them. Cindy, I'm going to ask you if you would to come to the piano. Here's what you need to do. And I think you ought to do this regularly, but I think there ought to be a significant time in your life that you've done this and work on keeping it that way. I think you ought to present yourself to the Lord. The Bible says in chapter 12, verse 1, it said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, your bodies a living sacrifice. That's not being self-willed. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. It's reasonable for you to live a sanctified, spirit-filled, submissive life. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And verse 3 says this, this is about you right now thinking some things in your mind. Right now, God sees your thoughts. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. See, you think sometimes you don't really need God. But I know this, I need Him daily. I have found in the will of God a dependence upon the Lord. He says, but to think soberly, according as God that dealt to every man the measure of faith. And when you get right with God, and you yield yourself to the will of God, according to verse number 4, you'll begin to cooperate and be a part of a local assembly, and God using you and your gifts to minister to us. You'll no longer just be a spectator. You'll be a participator. He says in verse 4, for we... As far as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another. I need my hand to cooperate with the rest of my body, and especially submit itself to my brain. Amen? And my head. How about you? Do you understand what the will of God is? And listen, maybe one day the Lord may or may not call some of you to the mission field. If he never does, you are not a second class Christian. You submit yourself, you serve the Lord, and you rest satisfied and content that you are doing what you know is the will of God. Stand together, please.
with our heads bowed. I pray this morning, if you're not saved, you'd come and bow your knee to Jesus Christ. If you are saved, I pray this morning that you would yield yourself to Him and say, Lord, I'm tired of not being in Your will. God, I pray that as a wife, a mother, a husband, a son, a worker, a boss, I pray that you'd yield yourself to the Spirit of God this morning and not quench Him. Father, may Your will be done in every heart this morning. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed, may You obey the Holy Ghost this morning, please.